0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. I'm Corey, and today you're going to watch me interview the armchair detective from Tiger King, Ripper. He is the guy in season two that is basically trying to figure out what happened to Don Lewis, along with the daughters of Don Lewis, um, the ex-husband of your girl, Carol Baskins. So I interview him about his experience on the show of Tiger King season two. We talk about Tiger King season one. We talk about Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, John Phillips, the lawyer who is now representing Joe Exotic. He also tells me two brand new things that he has not put out yet to any media source at all about the Don Lewis and Carol Baskin case. So this is a long one. So buckle up tight. Anything Tiger King related is crazy anyways and this does not disappoint. So stay tuned to watch the whole thing. Trust me. Also, be sure to like this video, hit that bell notification so you get notified every time I come on your screen and also subscribe. Help me out with my subscriptions and trying to get a little bit uh little bit more people subscribe so i can get more of these interviews out to more people but yeah hit that like button subscribe and hit that bell notification and enjoy this episode of the e was a podcast with the armchair detective from tiger king ripper peace out this episode of the e4 the podcast is brought to you by bravo concealment bravo concealment is known for some of the best high quality and concealable holsters on the market located in the great state of texas They offer free shipping and unlimited lifetime warranty on all of their products. And a 30 day money back guarantee if you don't like the product. I've been using Bravo concealment for my gun holsters ever since I got into guns and the quality is by far, bar none, the top notch in the entire industry that I've seen. And right now they're doing a buy one get one free plus free shipping, the 30 day money back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using Explicit10. Use the code EXPLICIT10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E for Explicit Podcast. I'm Corey, and today we have Ripper Jack from the, uh, the quote-unquote uh, air quotes armchair detective from, um, <laughs> Tiger King season two. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, Jack. Um, if you can give everybody kind of a synopsis of who you are and, and kind of what you do, that would be great. Hey, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> um, what I do
1: is kind of depends on who you ask. Some people will say I don't do anything and then some will say I've done more than anyone has ever done on this case, but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's really a good question, Corey. Um, I am, I, I guess I'll just say I, I'm a content creator on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel under Ripper Jack Media. I'll just plug that real quick. Um, <laughs> I am the spokesperson for the family of Don Lewis. And if you don't know who Don Lewis is, he's the missing ex husband of Carol Baskin, who was featured in episode three of Tiger King One. Um, and it's kind of, I guess I just, I I've been trying to help the family find out what happened to their dad. I mean, I do other things, but as far as this thing, like what surrounds this show is I just wanted to help this family find out what happened to their dad. So I go around interviewing people, calling people that knew Don Lewis or people that I thought would have information about Don Lewis and little did I know within you know two weeks of diving into this that we would have uncovered things that got the attention of one of the producers of the show and then from there it it just went it went kind of crazy
0: right yeah so if anybody is living under a rock last year and a half to two years uh what he's referring to tiger king with joe exotic and all that stuff um carol baskin i mean so famous i mean it couldn't have come out on at a better time with you know with covid and everything pretty much everyone had like no choice but to watch it um and it blew up i mean worldwide sensation uh f- for good things and bad things i think personally um good things that shed a lot of light on like what we're going to talk about, Carol Baskin, Don Lewis, but also like the, that trade of like tigers and big cats and stuff like that. I think that also gets a lot of, uh, it doesn't, it gets kind of pushed to the side a lot because there's, there's so many storylines in tiger King. It's fucking crazy, man. Like everything, every character is a character in this show. And in this kind of whole thing in the documentary series. Um, But anyway, First of all, how did you get into uh, this kind of line of work? As far as you know, a quote-unquote armchair detective or investigator—not um, so much just the Tiger King stuff, but in general, how did you get into it?
1: Uh, that's a that's a that's a great question, and um, not one that many people will will ask. But I, um, and let me just say first on, on the Tiger King thing. I was late to the party. Like I didn't watch it when it first came out, like, and I'll explain more about that in a little bit, because it kind of, it's kind of important that I didn't see it when it first came out, but I have been, I have been through the legal system myself on the, on the wrong side of it, so to speak. And in I won't go into details, but like I went through a four and a half year divorce with, I had two kids that were like three and four years old. A divorce should not last four and a half years and a custody battle. But there were so many tricks played on me during my divorce that I was put through the ringer. And if I would have had someone to help me during that time, I would have really appreciated someone that had experience of digging into different, you know, investigating things and and then knowing how the court system actually worked. But me going through that and then finally, I finally had my day in court where uh, I'll just tell you up up in Kansas, if you're a male, it's hard to get custody of your kids to get 50% custody, 50% parenting time. But at the end of my four and a half year ordeal, I did get 50% custody, 50% parenting time, but it was a mess and it was so much work. And after I did that, so many people would tell me, you know, when I would tell them all the things that happened to me and the things I had to go through, a lot of people said, oh, you should start a website or do something so that you can help. Other guys or girls, whoever's going through this, and you get these tricks, because the way the justice system works, somebody can just say whatever they want about somebody. And next thing you know, you could be in jail, and you have to prove that you're innocent. It's not innocent till proven guilty, it's guilty until you can prove that you're innocent. Sometimes people can't do it. I was just I was lucky enough that I was paying for both cell phones and I was able to pull up all the call records Mm. and use that in court so that I could prove that someone had lied. (laughs) Um, But that's one reason. And then there was a couple other people that I know that went through the justice system who really got screwed over. And I just thought, you know, 10 years later, I just thought, Man, I could really help somebody if they go through something and they've been wronged by the justice system. And when I saw this, this show, Tiger King, there, there's a lot of ways to be wronged by the justice system. But one way is not getting justice for a crime that had happened. And after I watched the show, I, I decided that this family was wronged by the justice system because there was not really an investigation into what happened to their dad. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the three, the three daughters. And of course, his ex-wife, you know, she, she still loves the man. She's still in love with him. I, I mean, when Carol? she talks about him, Gladys, his ex-wife, oh. but when she, when she talks about Don Lewis, this was Don's first wife, mm-hmm. Gladys. Um her eyes light up when she tells the stories of how they met and all the things that they did. Her eyes light up. You know, she still loves the guy. And I just thought, you know, they were wronged by the justice system, not like in a way where, you know, like what I went through, but nobody helped them. And people should get helped when something like this happens or should be I mean, to me, it's an easy case, it, or it would have been back then. I think within a week, they should have closed the case out, really. There's been so much information that we've uncovered, and if they would have done that back in 1997, I, I really think it would have been one of the easiest cases they
0: ever worked. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of the people that I talk to on here, homicide detectives, and and, and other people that um, uh, I just talked to uh, Brandon Emery's mom. Who, her son. You look at these photos and of this crime scene of him. He looks like he got beat to death, um, and they labeled it as um, pneumonia. He died from pneumonia. It's it's one of those things where you're like this is a, this should be an open shut type situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is something you could look into. It's fascinating. They were just on the ID channel um, total mystery, but there's like this other woman that's like who they think is involved. She's like a black widow. Everybody around her, gets sick and die. It's crazy, but <laughs> it's similar to that, to where it's like, if these cops just do what they're paid to do and what they should be doing, uh, there might be other things that, you know, get in the way of that, uh, you know, uh, money kind of politics certain stuff that they don't want to you know or they just don't care uh some of them um but i don't know i don't know strictly what happened in 1997 but i mean i talked to a lot of people that are say the same thing you just said is this could be this could have had a completely different outcome if x y and z happened so people like you and and it seemed like the cop on season two of tiger king was was kind of like on the fence he was like we have evidence. We have this. We have that. It's an open investigation. But also, I kind of got that riff. Like he just, they, it just didn't seem like they, not that they don't care. But I don't know. I feel like you're putting a lot more effort into it than actual law enforcement. Uh, if that's you know, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> no, I I there's nothing to correct correct you on. Um, we have uncovered. I mean, we we. And I say we, I'm talking about me and my group because there's a large group of people that have helped because I don't want anyone to think that me, myself, Ripper has uncovered all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. There is a large group of people that, you know, in our Facebook group that have done so much work uncovering things. And what's, what's nice for me is, you know, they do all this work and they put all this stuff out there and I can see it all. And then sometimes I can see, you know, like, oh, this thing here and this thing here, when you put those together, you know, you you have something that like, like for example, let me let me think of, well, like for example, someone sent me a video a couple of weeks of Carol Baskin talking about a key ring that Don Lewis had. And it was a large key ring with a bunch of keys on it. And they sent me the video and there were some other things in the video as well. But when I watched the video, and this is not anything that's out there. So you'll be, you'll be the first to put this out there. This is not known. This is not public information. But when I was talking with Trish Farr, who is Kenny Farr's ex-wife, she was mm-hmm. married to Kenny Farr and Kenny Farr was the handyman for Don Lewis and he had worked for Don for like 15 years. Even when Kenny was a teenager, he was doing work part-time for Don Lewis. So he knew Don for a long time. But in one of my conversations with his ex-wife, she told me that one time, one day Kenny came home and he had this giant key ring and it had about a hundred keys on it. Now, Kenny wasn't managing property. He didn't have a bunch of places that he had to go and, you know, unlock doors and all those things. But she said he came home with this large key ring with like a hundred keys on it. And of course, when I'm watching the video that this person sent me a couple of weeks ago, it it hits me. You know, I'm like, all right, this key ring that Carol is talking about that Don Lewis has, ends up in the hands of. Kenny Farr I'm like so the guy that went missing his keys end up with the guy who received all of his guns which the gun collection was a large gun collection that Kenny ended up with and you know those are the kind of things that you have multiple people working on things and not everybody sees everything that's happening but the nice thing for me is I can I can see all this stuff being put out in front of me. And then I can, you know, try to piece these things together. Right. But another thing that she had told me in that same conversation, because I had asked her, you know, what kind of things changed after Don Lewis went missing with, with Kenny, like what were things that stood out? And another thing that she had talked about, and this is something else that's not out there. She said he brought home a shoebox. Full of titles like car titles and machinery titles. And she said he had a shoebox. She opened it up and looked there, and there's just all these titles in there. And she's like, I don't know what he was doing with those because he didn't go out and sell cars. Right. He didn't sell machinery. Um, you know, but no, nobody has brought that up. Like, I haven't seen another piece to the shoebox car title box thing. But like the key ring thing is, I think that's pretty important that Carol acknowledges that Don had a big key ring. And now, you know, Kenny Farr's ex wife has told me a story about Kenny having that. And she told me that story before Carol's video had come out. So she had information long before and Trisha has given me a lot of information that in the beginning, I'm not going to kid, in the beginning, I was I was just like, there's just no way this stuff is true, that Kenny came home driving Don Lewis's van, told his wife Don's missing, nobody knows where he's at, and, you know, all of these things. And then as we started looking deeper and deeper into things, um, it turns out that the things that she said were pretty accurate, right? I mean, yeah.
0: Well, that's kind of what I was going to ask is like, you already answered it, like the timeline of things. So Carol Baskin, literally a couple of weeks ago, put out a video about the gearing. You talked to um, Kenny's ex-wife like last year when this came up. Um, So you kind of just start connecting the dots uh, and the people that you're working with in your uh, Facebook group.
1: Yeah. And I'm really lucky that I have like a really good memory for whatever reason I can remember. I don't want to say a photographic memory because I, I I think that people that have a photographic memory are really I I don't know how it works exactly and I think they're incredible people the people that have a true photographic memory right. but when I see things I can remember a lot of things and and then piece them together but yeah this. This was, the video was sent to me a couple of weeks ago. I don't know when the video was published by Carol, but I know when I talked to Trish, I talked to her on April 1st. And then I think on April 2nd, and this is 2020, over a year ago. April 2nd is when I had her interview on my channel. And there was a lot of things I left out because I didn't do it live. I recorded it but there were things that she said that I didn't think would want the public to know, or I didn't want Carol to know that we knew these things. And as I think back, like that key ring thing, I mean, as soon as I'm watching the video of Carol talking about it, I'm just like, wow. And not, not not only that little piece, but later we learned that, Carol ended up with Don Lewis's phone, his cell phone. And, and now this is one thing when you talk about law enforcement, it was me and my group of people that discovered Carol had ended up with this phone. I mean, we're, we're the ones that relayed that information to the sheriff's department. And then it went a few days later that their sheriff, Sheriff Cronister, was making a, I don't know if he called it a press conference, or if he was on Nancy Grace or whatever it was, but he had done a, a show and he was talking about just within the last few days, his detectives had uncovered new evidence. And and I was getting messages from people, you know, like, how come he didn't say that we had uncovered that or he got that information from you? And I was like, they can't. Right. They can't sit there and go, hey, by the way, we got some information from some armchair detectives and you know but they claimed it as this was new evidence that they had just uncovered but you know like the like the big key ring that cell phone is a big deal you have a guy that went missing and his spouse who he told numerous people he was going to divorce ends up with his cell phone and then the handyman who also benefited from Don Lewis's disappearance ends up with his keys and his guns and and the gun collection. For those that that don't know in tiger King two in episode three, right around the 17 minute mark, they're interviewing Kenny far about the guns at the pool at the pool. And they trip him up to where he doesn't remember all of a sudden, how he got those guns but the guns it it was 50 plus guns according to his wife and they had to have um, one of her kids actually help unload all the guns out of the van and put them in the house and then there's other witnesses that that had seen those guns and so it's it's very believable when you hear from these different people saying there were so many guns you know there was a bathtub full of guns a closet full of guns and don lewis was a big collector of things i mean when carol talks about him having a bunch of junk i mean you're talking you know like acres worth of machinery and boats and just things that he would get for collateral That's kind of another important thing. Those guns, Don would use those guns for collateral. He wasn't out just buying a bunch of guns. He was not like a big gun collector. But if someone needed a loan from Don Lewis, he'd loan them money. But he always wanted something for collateral. And some people would say, "I have a boat. You know, you can use my boat for collateral for you know the ten thousand dollars I need or whatever it is." But guns were one of the things that he would use for collateral from people. Uh, Wendell Williams, one of his business partners was another example of collateral. Wendell had a piece of machinery that was probably worth $10,000 or something, but Don had loaned Wendell like $5,000. And Don took this piece of machinery and was holding it as collateral. And when Don wrote that, restraining order and carol talks about the restraining order and she's talking about hauling his junk off one of the things she hauled off was this piece of machinery that he was holding as collateral with wendell williams so you're talking five thousand dollars that she took and hauled off she didn't know what any of that stuff was out there she was just cleaning up all the junk. Place. yeah yeah but these guns he would have never given his gun collection away so when kenny farr says don traded me those guns for a job that i did for him that's absolute bullshit right um he, he don lewis would not have done that especially when he was paying um paying kenny you know like an hourly rate to work he'd have no reason to trade this gun collection to kenny and then of course in in the show he says that and then the producer which sounded like eric good says so carol didn't give you the guns and kenny really you see him really thinking his wheels are spinning yeah and he just
0: i have a bunch of holsters from bravo and one of them is the inside the waistband holster so this goes inside the waistband if you want to conceal carry also swap it out here outside the waistband so this outside the waistband is actually like hella thin and you can see kind of like how how close to the body it can get you could take this on the range um, you, you can probably conceal this and comfortably do it with, you know, a hoodie over top or whatever. If you want to open carry, um, it's up to you. They also send out mag pouches, right? So you can throw in an extra mag. You're going to the range. You don't have to unload and reload every single time. You got a little, uh, little hollow point moment. They come in handy if you're on the range, like I said, or if you can still carry and you're one of those people that are got to have a lot of mags or whatever, um, you know, whatever, whatever your cup of tea is. They also send you these really cool pamphlets. They go into great details in these brochures of how to wear things properly, safety mechanisms, and all the features that all of these holsters have as well. So they really focus on educating their customers, which when it comes to guns, safety and education are number one. They don't have any left-handed holsters except for the Glock 19. I'm a lefty, but the right-handed holsters are so dope and they're so comfortable and concealable that... I don't really give a shit. Just learn how to shoot with my right hand. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using Explicit10. Use the code EXPLICIT10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from BravoConcealment.com.
1: Thinking and... Then Kenny says, Yeah, it was Carol. And then the humdinger question comes when Eric says, So was Dawn already gone? And if you don't know the whole backstory to the gun stuff, you don't know how important of a question that is. Because if he says, Yes, Dawn was already gone, then we know Kenny knew Kenny or Kenny knew that Dawn was missing Sunday night Mm because that's when he got the guns. But When Eric Good asked the question, "So was Don already gone?" You, I mean, go back and watch this because now you know the little backstory. When he asked that question, Kenny really he like shits his pants. Yeah, you can tell he he knows. He's like, "Oh shit, I'm really like, there's no good answer at all with, with that one." And then he goes back to the yeah, I got them from Don. Don gave them to me. He changes it back because he knows he can't use the Carol story. But after Tiger King came out, Carol put out her rebuttal. I know I'm going into a lot, but it's all important information.
0: Tiger King two or one.
1: One. After Tiger King one came out on March 20th, on the 21st, Carol put a rebuttal out on her website, on her Mm bigcatrescue.org site. And she was basically saying all the things that were not true in the show. And one of the things that she said in there, and she didn't even need to say it, but she said that she had loved Kenny Farr like a son, and she gave Kenny Don's gun collection because he had asked for it. Before that, there was no record of the guns at all. Like It was all rumored that Kenny ended up with this gun collection, and we couldn't even find the, gun, the guns from the Sheriff's Department because the Sheriff's Department ended up getting those guns from Trish Farr, who is Kenny's ex-wife, in 2000. But when we we're doing FOIA requests, they said they didn't have the guns. And then a reporter from the Tampa Bay Times actually found them by looking up some different cases. And he found them under, they were basically under the wrong case number Oh, wow. and he found the inventory sheet for the gun so once once we saw that we're like oh shit like this story is true like they got these guns in 2000 from Trish Farr just like she had said because she said her and Kenny got into a fight and when law enforcement came out there she told them everything she goes I told them everything that da- that Kenny had done to me when he threatened me he threatened to." put me through a meat grinder. And in my interview with her, she said, Kenny said, I'm going to run you through the meat grinder. Like I did, Don, like that's one thing that she told me in the interview. And I'm just like, what? I mean, it's, it was just crazy. Um, but at the time when I was interviewing her, we didn't know if the guns really existed or not, but Carol actually admitted it in her rebuttal that she gave these guns to, Um, Kenny. Yeah. And I hadn't seen the rebuttal until after my interview with Trish. So it was later when I saw the rebuttal and I was like, oh shit, like the guns are real. But one of, one of the issues we have is the inventory sheet from the sheriff's department only shows like 11 or 12 guns. And the witnesses I've talked to have said there were 50 plus guns like there was you know i said well the inventory sheet shows like 11 or 12 they're like no there there was more than that they're like there's a bathtub full there's a closet full of them they were stuffed under the bed they were Mm -hmm. everywhere so i don't know what happened to the rest of the guns um i'd like to know maybe someone out there does know maybe someone worked for the uh, hillsborough sheriff county county sheriff's department and maybe they have knowledge of where all these other guns went but uh nonetheless the guns did go to kenny far how they got to him is still kind of the question that needs to be
0: answered yeah that's the that would be the smoking gun no uh (laughs) unintended well pun intended actually so okay so a lot of information there to unpack but uh i want to step take a couple steps back first of all have you seen the the documentary don't fuck with cats Yes, I, I have. Okay. So when you brought up your Facebook group and stuff like that, if no one has watched that documentary, go watch that. I think it's still on Netflix because it shows like what you're talking about. These armchair detectives mm-hmm. literally like follow up, uh, you know, a, a, a potential serial killer leading up to this certain point, And they call everything that they, that this kid's doing, they uncover all of this amazing things that are facts and and true things, and they they help solve and find this person by literally using like Google Maps and like it's fascinating. But it's it kind really of is. reminded me of you know what what you're talking about because you know law enforcement can only do so so much. It can go on you know press conferences and news channels, but the power of social media and people coming together and this stuff can do a lot of things. I think personally, what what kind of doesn't help. With this tip, this uh, particular situation is that Tiger King is so c- fucking crazy that, like, anything that comes out of it, it's almost like, oh, well, it's Tiger King. Like, it's not taken as serious mm-hmm. as if it was something else. Does that make sense? It, it, it
1: does because you have two totally different spectrums. You have one where you have these animal people who are over the top with with things mm-hmm. and you know i've talked to some of them and i mean they seem like nice people but it's still over the top with things and when you have you know joe exotic and all the people that surrounded him you know like jeff Flo, alan glover um yeah yeah it, it's People look at that and they think these people are just crazy. And is it really like, is this stuff even true? And then you put that in with this family of Don Lewis, who they are, they are the most wonderful people. So
0: nice. Complete opposite.
1: Yes. (laughs) So it really distorts like the, the real story. Um, and it's sad and and that's why I'm actively, actually trying to get and find someone who wants to tell like the real story of what really happened with our Facebook group and how we uncovered all this information. I mean, I'm not recording right now, but normally I have a camera right over here and I have a camera here. And then I have that camera there that when I'm doing all this stuff, I'm recording everything, you know, even, When, you know, if I get off the phone and I just, you know, going through my thoughts or talking about this is what we uncovered today, you know, I mean, I've documented everything in hopes that one day somebody wants to tell the real story of all this information that we've uncovered. I mean, people, if people knew, um, matter of fact, in one of my interviews with someone, I'm not going to say who it was that was interviewing me, um, but this was in the middle of, I think this was after I had done my interview with the notary who ended up coming forward that they showed in episode three. After I'd done that, I was doing an interview, and the person interviewing me said, this is like, don't fuck with cats on steroids. Right. And and I was like, I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, we have uncovered so much information. We put so much stuff together that at one point, um, I went and talked with, I can't say who it was that I talked to. But they told me you've got everything right there. Like you've solved this case. The the only thing you don't have is a body, but or like with all this information that you all have, you don't even need a body for this. And I, I feel the same way. I feel like we've solved this case, but we can't, you know, we can only do so much. We can't, I can't go to the state attorney and say, Hey, you need to move forward and do this. Um, I can only turn over the information that we've uncovered and let these agencies do what they're supposed to do. And I don't know, it's a lot of work. It I is. mean, even, even though we give them everything they need, they still have to go out and do the work. They still have to, you know, they have to prove everything that I'm telling them, you know, they have to go out and do all the work. And I just, I'm not sure they have the energy to do it. Right. It's it, it's deep. But I will say that some of the stuff that we've uncovered, and I haven't put this out there yet either, but <laughs> some of the stuff that we've uncovered happened in Polk County, Florida. So if we get to the point where we feel like we are really at a dead end wall, we'll be, we'll be calling a, a meeting with Sheriff Grady, the, the family of Don Lewis and myself. We'll call a meeting with him and I will say, this is what we found in your county. And I believe it's tied to motive to the murder of Don Lewis. And if you're interested in, you know, looking at it, we'll give you everything we have. Because if the motive is tied to his county, then this, this, you know, he could get involved because part of it happened in his county. And for those that know Sheriff Grady or Judd, yeah, it's Judd Grady. I think his first name's Judd, but um, or is it Grady Judd. I always get his name mixed up because it's like he has two last names,
0: right? It does sound like two um, last names,
1: but he's the sheriff of Polk County, but he doesn't mess around. He he's um, <laughs> when, when you see some of his press conferences where they've arrested some of their own deputies and I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't mess around. So right. I, I don't think would have to go that route, but if we get to a point and this family feels like everything has been done, then we'll go, we'll go elsewhere.
0: All right. Well, that, that actually brings me to my, I want to step go back again to, to kind of Kenny and stuff, but I want to talk about memory for a second because talk about what memory, like your memory, okay. not yours, but sure. in general. So I talked to um, a psychologist from uh, university of California, Irvine, uh, Dr. Um, Elizabeth Loftus, who, has testified in Michael Jackson, Carvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, uh, Robert Durst. Um, there was a, ne- a show on—I don't know some network. It was very done very well, called "Buried," about the very first uh, case, murder case that was got a conviction based off of memory alone. Um, and she deals with rep- repressed memory, not like if you have Alzheimer's. She she deals with things that you think you remember that you're basically making up in your head. Mm -hmm. Uh, She did the um, Oklahoma city bomber, like uh, Timothy McVeigh, like major cases all with memory. And I learned a lot from her about like, you know, when you're a kid and then you become an adult and you remember something and you tell like, let's say your mom or dad, and they're like, that's not how that happened. Or that's Mm -hmm. not how she talked about that kind of stuff. Um, Because a lot of people will remember certain things in certain ways, especially also with interrogation. That's why you get a lot of false convictions, uh, false confessions, because the cops are sitting there for 14 hours telling you something to the point where you actually believe you did this. Right. So you actually brought this up already with Kenny. I was taken back by that part in that episode. I was very confused because when they asked him the one question he completely backtracked. It was almost like he completely forgot. And then like you said, he switched back and said, oh, no, no, Don gave me those. When in a previous uh, thing that you said with Carol, she admitted she gave Kenny those guns because he asked for it. So, but really what you need to find out is when he was given the guns and all that stuff. But my question to you is with all of these people, not just the 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 types of people that they are, but this happened in 1997. The people that you're interviewing and talking um, is it kind of, it's, is it far-fetched to say, like, do they remember every minute detail like they're saying, or is there stuff that is kind of, they get that, uh, it's stuff that will fit their narrative and they get tunnel vision, uh, confirmation bias, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I know what you're saying before I answer. I do want to say, um, you've had some really incredible guests on your show. When I was Thank looking you. through your, your list of guests, you know, I, I was just like, wow he's he has talked to some people and then i listened to some of them and they're some of them are people that nobody would even right notice but when you listen to the interviews you're like oh wow it's crazy." Um, but, but you yeah you've had some really incredible people on your on your show but I, you. I i Appreciate wanted to make that. sure i told you that but yeah the memory thing is it's an issue because this thing is now 24 years old, the case. And a, a good example of that is one of the witnesses that I talked to by the name of, uh, I'll just say Mr. Moore, when he he was a volunteer out at yeah. Wildlife on Easy Street, which is now Big Cat Rescue. But when I first talked to him, my first conversation, um, I, I had heard that he was saying that he had seen Don Lewis that weekend that he went missing. Nobody else saw him that weekend, you know? So here's someone that saw him. So I called the guy and I said, Hey, I just want to know, you know, what, what's uh, when's the last time you saw Don Lewis? He said, well, I can't be certain. I'm not real sure. Um, he said it was on a, I th- I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but it seemed like he said it was a Saturday. It was on a Saturday and there was a guy that was selling a motorcycle to Don and it was going to be loaded up, but the guy rode the motorcycle out there and then Don needed Mr. Moore to give a guy a, to give the guy a ride back home because he's selling the bike. But first time I talked to him, he he couldn't remember what weekend it was. And he would say, I really don't think it was the weekend he went missing because of Ann McQueen's interview. He had seen the interview I had with Ann McQueen and Ann McQueen said, I saw Don Friday at work. He left at 1:30. Around four o'clock, I started calling him. I called him all weekend. He never called me back. I never got a hold of him again. And Don Lewis would always call back. Ann McQueen. Anne was his secretary and also his best friend. So Jim had seen that interview, and, and he he would say, I just don't think it was that weekend because of what Anne is saying, that he never called her back. Then I talked to him a couple of weeks later, and you know, he said, Hey, there was something I remembered that I wanted to tell you, you know, and he's giving me information. And I asked him about, you know did you figure out which weekend it was? He's like, no, I really, I just can't remember. Um, I said, well, maybe you should call the sheriff's department and at least tell them what, you know. And he said, I actually did talk to them back then hmm. and gave them a statement. And I said, well, he had given me some new information in the call, which prompted me to tell him to go talk to them again. Right. Um, And he said, okay, I'll do that. And he said, and I'll ask them if they, you know, will let me read my statement that I gave to them back in 1997. I was like, yeah, that, that would refresh your memory as far as which weekend it was. Well, he had a meeting with them. He went there after his meeting. He called me and said that they had lost their statement or lost his statement. You know, he said, they don't have it. They don't have a copy of my statement. I'm like, (laughs) really? He said, yeah, he said, I'm really bummed because I would have told them exactly when it was that I saw him,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he, he couldn't remember. And then I had him on my channel probably a week or two later. And the, how that thing all came up was really weird. Cause just a few days before he was on my channel, let me just say in the beginning, I was trying to get him on my channel and he wouldn't come on my channel. He wouldn't do an interview with me, but he'd talked to me on the phone. Right and uh, uh, I was in Florida, and Carol had made a video in her little diary thing, and she had a picture of this guy, like on her green screen, and talked about him, and all these different things about him, or whatever, and then the next day, him and I just happened to have talked for some reason, and he agreed to come on my channel to do an interview, and I thought, oh, great, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm leaving in a couple of days, I can come out to your place and do it, or we can just do it via, you know, Zoom or whatever, so we ended up doing it via, via Zoom or Yardstream, and during this interview, and it's live, I ask him, when's the last time you saw Don Lewis, and he says, oh, I saw him the Sunday before he went missing, the, you know, just the, the day before, I mean, he said it so matter-of-fact,
0: Like yeah, confident uh,
1: yeah, and I and I I didn't call him out on it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit there and go whoa whoa whoa. You told me you didn't know which weekend. Are you saying now your memory is better than it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago? And now that they've lost your statement, you can say whatever you want. I mean, I really was caught off guard, but I didn't. I just let it go and. I just let him talk and he did a lot of talking in that interview, but it really caught me off guard that it was, yeah, I saw him this, the Sunday before he went missing, like the night, the night before, um, and he was 100% certain. And when it comes to, you know, like memory, I, I don't know if his memory got better all of a sudden, or if this video that Carol put out had something to do with his memory um, or I mean, cause here's the thing, if someone actually saw him that weekend, then it's possible Carol would have seen him Monday morning as he was leaving, but I don't think that's the case. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. Um, but there have been others that they would, they would tell me, I'm, I don't really remember, you know, the exact dates or what he said, But he said something along the lines of, I'm scared she's going to do something to me. He said, you know, like this was the, I think the auto mechanic had said Now, actually it wasn't Dale because Dale said he remembered exactly what it was, but it was someone else that had talked to Don a few months before he went missing. He said, I don't know his exact words, but it was something along the lines that he was scared that carol was going to do something to him God. um but it, it it nobody's going to remember exact details and then of right. course after they watch the show when it comes to their memory there's going to be things that pollute their memories and you know for some of them it's their memories are really clear like like ann mcqueen his his best friend slash secretary mm-hmm. She remembers dates. She remembers. She'll when when I talk to her, she'll say uh, because I'll say, "Hey, what about this property deal that happened?" You know, with Don and whatever. Carol says this money went here and there, and 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 to this day still remembers. She'll say, "No, that's not what happened. What happened was Mister So and So approached Don Lewis, and the deal was for." She'll say, "I think Don made eighteen thousand dollars on that." And when you start looking up all the property records. It matches everything that wow, Anne Ann McQueen says. Now for her, her memory, she, she has a great memory and can remember so many things, just especially numbers and dates. Because she'll say, if you go look up, um, let me think of one of the, I don't want to use real names on here. Uh, but she'll say, if you go look up Miss Grady's uh, property, Don would have bought that on Uh, May 5th, 1997. And then he sold it to the Joneses um, on, on May 28th. And he sold it for, you know, $85,000 and he bought it for 30. And like, she has all this information. Then you go look it up and it's all true. You know, I'm like, but for, for people like her, it's great. I mean, she, she was even hypnotized in the last year to see if there was anything else that she had forgotten and there wasn't anything like there was nothing new that Mm -hmm. came out of that but then there's others that you know they're like well i don't remember if it was 1996 or 1997 or you know some of the memory is just not as clear right and then i always have to wonder too after people see the show they get clouded Mm -hmm. and that was the nice thing with the notary. The notary has never seen the show. They didn't know anything about the show. Oh, the, wow. And so when, when the notary called the tip line, she had not she she didn't she didn't know anything. She, didn't she know wasn't what was not tainted. Yeah. No, no, but it's a it is a is a big issue because it is 24 years later. Right. And I mean, I've only been working on it for 20 months and I have to be real careful with, you know, like remembering things. I'm like, I got to make sure I got to look at my notes and make sure that's what I wrote down because I, I have notebooks full of notes and then I record so much stuff, but I have to go back and make sure that what I think I remember is real. And That's just in less than two years.
0: Right. Imagine 20 plus. Oh.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking 1997. I mean, if I had to think back to like 1997, I, I, I can think of 1998, like there's events that happened in 1998 that I remember very clearly. So I think with some things when there's a traumatic event, you know, some of these things are burned in your brain, but you know, like I know the 1998 Billboard hit of the year was a song called "Too Close by Next." Um, I mean, but there's a there's a good reason why I remember those right. things. I remember how many American music Awards they received uh, right. they stole the record. but for most of us, um, the memory is a it's a tough
0: it's a tough it's thing, difficult yeah it's it's hard to and it's hard to prove and it's it's hearsay sometimes it's and to your point when a documentary like this of this caliber comes out people might change their stories to fit a better narrative to make them look like in a better light or you know whatever
1: or like they know more than they really do do they want to play a bigger role yeah And, and that has happened that also happened with someone that called the tip line that they gave some information. I was like, wow, okay, they've described the same thing that others have described. Well, when it came time to meet with them in person, they blew the story out of proportion. And then it became just too much where it wasn't believable. You know, I was like, why didn't you tell me that when you first talked to me? Like when we talked, you told me all these things, but now all of a sudden, you know, where he's buried? Right. Like, why didn't you tell me that to begin with? That would be an important piece. And, you know, I, I think you're right where people they exaggerate a little bit and then it turns into, you know, then they're not credible at all. Exactly. And anything they say, you're just like, I can't believe any of it. Although there's other people saying the same type thing. Um it, it's a witness that can't be used and the information can't be unless you can actually prove what they're saying. Exactly. Um, Which there's just not a lot of evidence in this case. You know, there's, there's not a body, there's not a murder weapon. Um, 1997, there wasn't a lot of cameras out there. Um, If this happened today, I think it'd be pretty easy to,
0: solve right yeah it's 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 a lot like a lot of cases it's a lot of circumstantial evidence um which i feel like i've talked to a bunch of homicide and they're like all evidence circumstantial even dna can be circumstantial except for i think they said like eyewitness testimony is the the nail in the coffin most part most times of like that's not circumstantial like i literally saw this person kill this person right i can prove it that is without a doubt beyond a reasonable doubt, but um, you brought up something I kind of want to talk about um, is uh, about the witnesses, right? Um, I'm going to talk about uh, John in in the doc. They talk about John Phillips, who initially was a lawyer for the family, for Don Lewis's family. Side note, being completely transparent, I'm more than likely interviewing him next week um, as well. So uh, just a heads up, not to, like I said, no bait and switch here. I just, I reach out to a lot of people, even yeah, potentially no, Carol <laughs> Baskin as well, but we'll see. Cause she, I don't know if she'll do it or not. She'll probably. Oh, I charge. bet she
1: will. If, if, <laughs> if, if you, if you don't let her know you've talked to me um, you probably have a pretty good chance for her. Cause she interviews That's what with I figured. anybody.
0: That's what I figured. Um, this is going to be out. So she'll see it. So I, I, um, I don't really care. I don't really, I'm not looking to, you know, I, I might hold on to it, but the evidence is it's pressing. So that's why I'd yeah. rather do it now. Yes, I, I agree. You know, but um, yes. anyway, so John Phillips, so he was the family's lawyer. And then um, he switched to now he's Joe Exotic's lawyer. Um, but what I was kind of noticing in the doc was he's getting all of these. What were they called? What um, Shit. The uh, when he would get them to, like, switch their statement and stuff like that um, to recant. Re, yeah, they were recanting it, what they were saying. Right. But. It goes back to our point earlier of like the types of people that these people are, are these over-the-top, you know, Jeff Lowe is, you know, from all counts on the documentary a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, a lot of these people are not good people to begin with. So right, just like any prosecutor that I've talked to there has to be a reliable witness who is not a, not that these people are, but like, you know, that's why they don't have like crackheads and people like that. And you know, these, these rats that are whatever on, on the witness stand. Right. Mm -hmm. That's literally what homicide detectives tell me. They can't use them. They're not credible. So can, can like, and, and, and then what happened is John Phillips, the lawyer, uh, the family, let him go. And then they, they, uh, retained your services. Um, the armchair stuff <laughs> well actually so what happened yeah that's my, i'm getting to the point yeah, of like what happened with that
1: actually i was working with them long before phillips came into the picture okay. and a lot of people don't understand that because he said in the show well they picked ripper over me i noticed that yeah there was never a choice of them having to pick me or him. we did totally different things his his job was to be a lawyer and to do things in the courtroom because they wanted to find out what happened to their dad and one of the one of the things that we had decided to do was for him to file this uh, pure bill of discovery uh, complaint, motion, whatever you call them and it was a good idea because you're not really suing anybody for money or, you know, anything except information. You're just trying to get someone under oath. And our ultimate goal is to get Carol Baskin under oath mm-hmm. and ask her a few questions that we have. So the the way it, it started is...
0: So like a deposition?
1: Yeah, like a deposition. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We would, we would like to have Carol under oath and have her answer some questions um absolutely deposition but i st- i got into this after i'd watched the show i formed a little group i'll, I'll kind of tell the backstory story because there was never there was never a, a choice where the family had to pick me or him right okay um i had watched the show i started putting videos out on my youtube channel We ended up tracking down the granddaughter of Don Lewis. She had a TikTok channel. And I wanted to talk to the family because I wanted to see what information they had. We tracked down the granddaughter. And she was impossible to get a hold of because she had, you know, went from 1,500 subscribers to like 50,000 or something just overnight. So you couldn't get a message to her. But we ended up tracking down her fiance. And then we found out where he worked and I called him at work and I was like, Hey, this is who I am. You know, he's like, huh? You're, you're what? I said, dude, yeah, I just make videos on YouTube. I've helped people <laughs> in the past with, you know, like uh, wrongful conviction stuff. I said, I just exposed a college up in Kansas for kicking people out of school because of the color of their skin. And I said, but we've uncovered some information that might be helpful to the family of Don Lewis. And I would like to Get an email or something so I can contact them. And anyway, his his fiance called me back that night. I talked to her, told her all the stuff that we'd uncovered. She reached out to Donna Pettis, which is the oldest daughter of Don Lewis. That's the blonde, then, right? Yes, the blonde. And then Donna emailed me and I sent her emails with these are the things that we've uncovered. I gave her links to my videos. And within two weeks. I went out to Florida because I was getting people that were contacting me, but they didn't want to talk on the phone. They're scared I was recording it or, you know, they're like, I'll talk to you in person, but I'm not going to talk to you on the phone. Mm -hmm. So I was like, and I had like four or five of them like that. And I was, I'm in Oklahoma. I'm not in Florida. So I was like, I got to go to Florida to meet with these people because obviously they're scared, but they have information information. So I went out there, I got there, which is kind of weird. I I went out there, I drove straight through, it's like 21 hours, but I pulled into the hotel parking lot at 12.01 a.m. And it just happened to be Don Lewis's birthday when I, and I didn't plan that out. Like I pulled into the parking spot, went to turn my car off and looked down to see what time I'd write. It was 12.01. And I was like, weird wow, I just arrived on this man's birthday. Um, And the next day I ended up going out and meeting, actually, was it that day? Yeah, that was a Thursday because I I think I left Wednesday, got there Thursday. I went out and met with the family on Thursday evening for three or four hours, probably. Talked to them, met the the daughters and his ex-wife Gladys. And um, I was out there for almost three weeks and you know, getting as much information from them. Um, one of his daughters, Gail, had boxes and boxes of documents from when she worked for her dad. So scrolling going through all that stuff, just seeing if there's anything in there. What I was really looking for were documents that had Carol's actual handwriting, not copies, but her actual handwriting because of the Documents that seemed to have been forged. And I wanted
0: the will and all that stuff. You wanted to compare. Yes. Yes. Um,
1: Anyway, so I spent, you know, what it was three weeks or whatever it was out there. I came back to Oklahoma and was home for another week and a half. And I had to go back out there again because there were more people that had information. I went out there again, spent some time with the family again. And then that would have been, I think June, I think sometime around June, they they were getting tons of calls from media, you know, wanting to do interviews and the family is a real private family. They don't want to do media. Like they, they made it very clear, like we don't want to be in front of the cameras. You know, we just want to know what happened. We'll get in front of the cameras if we have to, but that's not what, you know, we just want to remain private. Um, so in in June, I think it was June, they were getting all this media request and they would call me and say, hey, so and so from, you know, whoever wants to know, like wants us to talk to them about, you know, this and that. And we just don't have all the information like we don't know all the facts. And I said, well, have them call me and I'll I'll talk to them. These are like 48 hours mystery dateline and all yeah, this yeah. stuff. And then at some point. um, one, I think it was Donna said, I'm going to talk to Linda and Gail and see if you can just be our media spokesperson so that we don't have to talk to all these media people because every time they call, we have to call you to get all the facts because we have no idea. We're like they never knew about all these things that had right. happened. Right. Um, so I think it was June, 2020, they hired me to be their spokesperson and they they wanted to pay me to do it but I wouldn't do it. Like I've never charged them a dime for anything. Me and my group, we volunteer to help people. You know, if we can help, we will. So I became their spokesperson in like June that I had been working with them. Um, I went out there. It would have been late. Yeah. Late April. So in May, May of 2020 is when I started working with them and then we decided at some point to put a reward fund together and we ended up raising a hundred thousand dollars. And when we did that, when we got the money raised, we decided we'd have a press conference and announce to the world that there's a hundred thousand dollar reward. Well, about a week before that press conference um someone that was sort of related to the family was calling different attorneys to see if there was an attorney that would help them out, take a case with them or do something. And I had called some attorneys too and getting nowhere. Nobody wanted to mess with it. When I would say Tiger King, they would just laugh They're like, no, I don't want any part. Yeah, of I think it. it's a like, joke.
0: That's what we talked about it, earlier. It's like, they're not yeah. taking it serious. They're
1: like, I don't want to be mixed up in that at all. Right. Um, so we're hitting brick wall after brick wall. And then one of the uh, someone close to the family ended up getting a hold of John Phillips and the, the family or close relative of the family. <laughs> Um I say I guess he's related sort of um by almost marriage but he called and said hey this guy said he would take it he knows all about the show and you know he's all gung ho and he'll do whatever and blah 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 and I was like great so the the family decided to drive over there and meet with him in Jacksonville and then um Ann McQueen also went she went with them just for support like she didn't want to do anything with Carol. she didn't want to sue carol or anything which she has a lawsuit against carol right now which is pretty scary but they went over there met with him um i sat in on the meeting on zoom i was like right here they were there um talked and then afterwards they decided that yeah we'll we'll retain him because at that point there was no other attorneys that would even right you know I mean, it was just a joke, but that was in, I believe that was sometime in August of 2020 because we had the press conference in August and they hired him about right around a week before the press conference. So he hadn't been on, on board, maybe a week, week and a half before we had our press conference is when he was brought on and you know, so that's that's August 2020, May, June, July. So I had been working with them for three or four months beforehand, right. and I was very transparent with them to you know this is one of the reasons I do these things. Like I've been through the ringer myself. I know what it's like to be wronged by the justice system, and you know if I had had help, it would have been great. And blah blah blah. Um, so we had the press conference. John Phillips announced at the press conference that there was a lawsuit. Against Carol Baskin, and it was a pure bill of discovery lawsuit, and that was great. You know, it grabbed some media attention, and we we did want to get Carol under deposition. The family still wants to get her under deposition. Um, and then do you want me to go into detail of what exactly happened after that? Absolutely. All right. This this was filmed. I mean, it was documented, and I documented everything that happened, like on my end. And I know the I know the producers of the show did as well, but that was filed, and then it wasn't long after that Dancing with the Stars came out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then there was a commercial that was made. I don't know if you saw the commercial when the they're Dancing all
0: tight with- and they're all close together in the living room.
1: And yeah, that was actually uh, his office. Oh, uh, that that was his his uh, his law office where that commercial was filmed. So, yeah, they have the commercial. For, you know, if you know what happened to our dad and, um, I mean, it was a great idea. You know, it did bring attention and it created a lot of attention. I mean, there was, it was just a local commercial, you know, just in that little regional area. But of course it, it was shown everywhere. I mean, it had over a million views on YouTube. Like,
0: And this aired on the commercial during Dancing with the Stars? Yes. That's brilliant.
1: Yeah, but it it was and like I said it was only a regional thing. So it was like $3500 for the for the spot. Mm-hmm. But it was such a big story that you know TMZ and all these other news they're reporting on it the next morning and mm-hmm. so it was a big, you know, it was a it was a big thing. Well, then after that happened um <sighs> this is going to create so much drama, but I don't care. I think people should know. <laughs> after that happened, there was an influx of messages of all these articles about the commercial and what a brilliant idea and all these things. It was just text message after text message of, you know, look what I did. I can't believe this. Um, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to buy this much publicity ever. Like this is the best publicity I've ever gotten and all this. And Who's saying this? While, John Phillips. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause not the family, the family doesn't want the publicity. Like they want to just, they, they don't want to be in the limelight. Right, They're right, a right. very private family. And one of the, one of the family members asked me like, why are we getting all these text messages? Why isn't he working on the case and trying to like, why is this, happening and then there was an influx of media that wanted to do interviews with the family and they didn't want to do it but they did it because they they thought they needed to because he was working pro bono and you know they they're really nice people and they're like well we we need to do it cuz he's working pro bono and you know he's spending time you know trying to help us and I was like I get it but you know, if you sign something and he's going to get a percentage of the the win, if you win, then that's not free. I mean, right. he is risking his his time up front. But, you know, if a case gets dismissed in Florida, from what I understand, the plaintiffs can be responsible for the lawyer fees of the defendant. So and the attorneys don't pay that. You know, it's the plaintiffs right. that pay that. Um <clears throat> Anyway, so they were a little frustrated with all the TV appearances and all that stuff that was going on. And then he had an idea of doing a commercial with their mom to have their mom do a commercial on the next episode of Dancing with the Stars. And it was something to the effect that their mom was going to get on TV and say something about, you know, Don Lewis, uh, you know, cheated on me with Carol. Carol. And did he, you know, cheat on Carol as well? And this, this was motive for her to get rid of him or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the daughters were like, no, we're not putting our mom on TV. And we're not going to be especially talking about our dad out there cheating on our mom. We're, we're not going to do it. And I guess, I guess someone was upset about this. Um, so they had the brilliant idea of filing an amended complaint on, I think it was a Tuesday. So I believe it was the th- second week of dancing with the stars. Cause it was less than a week after the first dancing with the stars. And we all thought that Carol would be voted off in the second week because right. the first night she was just not a good dancer. So <laughs> everyone had kind of predicted, not just people in my group, but the world had predicted that she would be the first one voted off the show. So before that show aired, there was an amended complaint filed. So it went from the pure bill of discovery to a defamation lawsuit on behalf of Ann McQueen and the three daughters. Now, the three daughters didn't have a defamation case against carol nor did they want to sue carol for defamation and they did not even know what was in the complaint all they had seen was like a cover page of it they didn't know when it was going to be filed uh, or exactly when i guess um but the merits of the case had not been explained to them ever ever <laughs> there was never an explanation of this is what we have this is what we're going to do blah blah blah
0: for the defamation for either oh wow
1: for for either matter of fact after our press conference after our press conference um there were copies of the complaint and mcqueen got a copy of it and she said oh i didn't even know my name was going to be on this she learned that she was suing carol baskin after the press conference for it oh wow yeah that's pretty scary um and, and there were other things that were in the amended complaint that the family did not want out there. They made it very clear there were things that they did not want out there at all. Mm-hmm. And it was put in that amended complaint. And when the amended complaint was filed, it was filed like the end of the day on Tuesday. And I think it was about 15 minutes before Dancing with the Stars started, a press release went out to all the media with daughters of Don Lewis file another lawsuit against Carol Baskin or something like that and and during Dancing with the Stars, they actually asked Carol about it. like hey, there's been a new lawsuit filed today and Carol didn't know anything about it because it had been filed just like right before the show started. So for media purposes, it's great. it's brilliant. but the daughters they didn't they, they didn't want to sue Carol for defamation. What they wanted was to get her under oath so that there could be some questions answered about their dad right so when the defamation lawsuit was filed the next day there were articles coming out and a lot of them were like the 10 one of them was like the the 10 bad things or 10 petty things about the don lewis family or something like that but there were things in that amended complaint for example um John Phillips wanted to write a letter to ABC on behalf of the family about some of the comments that they were making to Carol in the show. Like, Carol, you killed it out there. Um, Basically, he wanted a letter together that the family was complaining about the show making a joke out of their dad's death. Hmm. And the family like, no, we don't care about that. Like, who cares what people are saying? Like, that's not something we even worry about. They don't even know. Like, they didn't even know most of the stuff that was happening. Um, They didn't want that letter written, and they told him, no, you're not writing a letter to ABC. Well, all that stuff that was going to be in the letter was in the amended complaint, and that made for great TV and great media, and then another media onslaught of, hey, can we interview you, blah, 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 and it, it it was embarrassing for the family. I mean, they're like, people are going to think we're so petty that we're complaining about what these people are saying to Carol Baskin on a show. Um, and they weren't happy. I mean, they were not happy at all. And then I had a call with them. And, you know, I was, I was just, I mean, I had actually for a week or so had defended John Phillips with, you know, he was doing things and I was just telling him, one of the family members like just let it play out we'll see what happens like all the text messages about you know look how great I am look how good of an idea I had and I was like just let it just let it go don't worry about it you know but after the amended complaint was filed um I had no way I mean I had no way to defend him I was just like right so let's let's have a call let's talk and and as I was talking to them I said well didn't you know what was in the amended complaint? I'm like, you know, you can't tell me the stuff that he's telling you in detail and all that because it's, you know, your attorney client stuff. But all of them was like, no, we had no idea what was going to be in there. Like, you know, I was like, didn't he go over the merits of the case with you? And they're like, no, not ever. I was like, what? I'm like, no, all we've been doing is all this media stuff. It's just media, this, media, that. And, and anyway, That they were upset and they fired him because he was not listening to them. He did not have their best interest at mind and they, they were done. So they, they fired him. And that's, that's that's what happened. That's
0: that's what it looked like in the, in the doc, they kind of like said, like, they didn't want all the media attention and he was very like media hungry and, and this, Um, I will say he was the first person to respond to me. Uh, in about 25 <laughs> minutes, not knocking him. I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. Um, but I mean, in his defense, uh, I, me personally, I think they've done, I don't know what the family has done before that strategy, but have they exhausted other ways and other things to do before maybe? I mean, that is a good idea to put a lot of spotlight on it. Just like Tiger King in general, if Tiger King never happened, if Joe Exotic did not exist, no one would know about carol baskin and no one would know about don lewis in the way that we know about them because Mm -hmm. of the media and the way that it's portrayed so in his defense and to your point like you just said you kind of defended him a little bit um but i mean i think the media strategy can work and does work in some cases because like you said in the beginning you know you're guilty by you know not you don't have to be proven whatever the proven guilty uh Guilty until proven Exactly. Innocent. Yeah, yeah. But but like the media, I mean, this cancel culture. It's a big thing now to where you could put something out about someone, whether it's true or not. And if mm-hmm. the media runs with it, that's that's good enough for the most of the population. Unfortunately, like
1: Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell's a great example Ex- of that.
0: Exactly. The Atlanta um, uh, Olympic bomber yeah, got accused yep. of uh, bombing the, the Olympics, yes. which he didn't do. Correct. Um, Right. Exactly. So, and that's before social media. So imagine mm-hmm. how easy it is now. So in his defense, do you think that that was a good strategy and just maybe it just kind of went a little bit too f- far maybe, or. Well, I I think
1: it was a bad strategy because he ended up getting fired and what? the, I mean, obviously it was a bad strategy, but the, the media attention that they had, you, you can't get any more media attention than the 64 million households that watched it. But there were things that could be done with the media that you didn't have to do to try to get these weird stories out there that made the family look petty. Right, There's that's true. I mean, there was so much media attention and, and I, I didn't want to do media because At the time, I was being filmed for the show, and I did not want to put anything out there that the show had seen because I wanted them to tell the story. And I wasn't under any contracts or anything with the producers of the show, but the family, when I first started talking to them, they said, we owe a lot to these producers because they're the ones that put our dad's story out there for right. people to see right. so we're going to be loyal to them first and foremost and they made that very clear with me and everybody else that that's where their loyalty lies. so there was a big story about the Facebook group and you know all this stuff that was being uncovered and I got approached by tons of media people you know uh, people tv and uh Nancy Grace and just you know all all of them but the family did not want the big media storm and to really tell the story properly, you need someone from the family to be there with you. I mean, if if I just go on by myself, it's not as good as having one of his daughters on, on the show. And there were times when I told some media people that, you know, I said, I I could do it. I I really don't want to, but I could, I said, but the daughters don't want to, they don't want to do the media thing. There's so much stuff happening right now behind the scenes that they feel like there's enough momentum moving forward that they're going to have their day in court. And we'll, you know, I mean, we had a good plan of action moving forward with, we didn't need the media at that time because Mm. Netflix had done the job force. What All we right. needed, or they needed, was actual facts and evidence to be presented to someone that can bring charges up. You know, and and there were so many things going on behind the scenes that they didn't want to do the media thing, and I wanted to. You know, my position with them and still is is, if they want to do media stuff, then I'll make that happen. But they don't want to. They want they want the work to be focused on uncovering things that will help in a courtroom because at the end of the day the media cannot bring well they can help get the exposure but once you're in the courtroom the media cannot determine what's going to happen it's it's going to be what evidence i mean the Kyle Rittenhouse is a great example of that everyone in the media you know sure. like he's guilty he's did this he and I don't want to get into that because I know that's real political, but, you know, after the jury deliberated, it didn't matter what the media said. It was the evidence that was brought in the courtroom, you know, but um, they didn't want to do the, they they just didn't want to do the media thing and they still don't, they're private. And um, yeah, I think it was a bad strategy because I think there's enough evidence there that Eventually, and we have we have Alex Spiro now as the attorney working with us. And Alex, I don't know if you know who he is, but that's Jay-Z's attorney. He was attorney for Elon Musk. Wow. Um, Mick Jagger, Nicki Minaj, uh, Charles Oakley, Robert Kraft in the New England Patriots, yep. the owner. That's mm-hmm. he he's he's a gigantic attorney. We've been working with him for 3 or 4 months maybe even longer and the only thing you've seen of that is TMZ found out about it and they did an article about it but when they called his office they they didn't give a comment or anything i mean obviously if he thought and he's one of the top attorneys in the country if he thought you needed the media to do something. He would do it. He, he would have been all over, but
0: right.
1: not a word from him to the media about anything, which, you know, that, that tells me that you don't need media. You, you need the facts and you need someone that's going to work the legal system the, the the right way. But I mean, you know, I, I liked, I liked John, you know, I, I, when he was brought on, I liked him. We had a lot of fun hanging out, but at, at some point, it just got to be, it wasn't about the family. It was about something else. And that wasn't, um, you know, that that wasn't what I had signed up for. And it's definitely not what the fam- family signed up for. Now, what I know later, I mean, I gave, I, John had asked me when we were in Florida, he asked me, you know, why do you do this stuff? And I told him about my my ordeal and my court stuff. And said I went through a bad divorce. I said, it took me four and a half years. I gave him details of what happened. I said, bet at the end of everything, I got the parenting time and the custody split right up the middle with my ex-wife. I said, and the charges that were brought against me, they had to dismiss them or drop them. But I did take, I had three telephone harassment charges that I took because my attorney said, he goes, look, I think he had good reason for doing it because you felt like your daughter's lives were in danger. He said, but under the law, because you called her once and she hung up and said, don't, don't bother her or whatever. You called her back three more times. He's like, under the law, he said, you're probably guilty of it. He said, we can go to trial. He goes, but there's, you know, a chance that you could be found guilty of it. And he goes, and you might be guilty of telephone harassment. He said, or you just take the, you know, you take the deal they're offering, which was uh, no fines, no whatever. I I had gotten charged with uh, like a criminal threat thing. It was like a fel- felony. Right. It was serious. And it was right in the middle of my divorce. And I spent 47 days not seeing my daughters, which I had seen them every day of their lives. So it was really tough for me. And it was tough for my daughters, too. But as I told him, I said, if there would have been any merits to the case, the judge would not have given me 50% custody and parenting time to my two girls. I said, but I took, I took the telephone harassment charges because my attorney said you could fight it. It's going to cost you about $25,000 to fight it for his fees. He said, and if you get off, he said, the only thing you're going to have is not these three misdemeanors. He said, they're not giving you a fine they're not making you take you know domestic violence classes or anything like that he said you gain nothing by going to trial but right. I had told Phillips all of that and he knows he knows that the charges were dropped but even to this day I see him out there on his Facebook and other places saying well I quit working with Ripper because of the way he treated his his ex-wife now he's an attorney. And he's, he's got a license plate that says justice on it. They showed it in the show. So he knows that I went to court. I did my thing. And I came out on the other side, just how I wanted with custody of my girls. And then he's going to go around telling people and I got the screenshots saying I quit working with him because of the way he treats women. I'm like, that's such bullshit. Right. But I'm not surprised. This is a guy that said, well, this is a guy that sits in a gaming chair behind a computer. I'm like, I mean, how petty, how petty can someone be, but yeah, I mean, it's almost like I took a candy bar from him or something and, you know, I don't get it, but I mean, he, I mean, at the end of the day he got fired and for good reason, but you know, I liked him in the beginning. I thought, I thought he is a nice guy, but I don't think he's a nice guy. I think he's, he's just a media whore that's
0: yeah. you know that's that's how he was portrayed in the documentary towards the end because i was all excited when they when i because of course it's netflix who do a great job with these documentaries making you think one thing and feel a certain way and then by the end of it you're like i fucking hate this person um so i thought that's exactly how they portrayed him at the end they almost put him it was like they almost put him in a corner with a dunce hat on and he was in trouble like a little kid um so now you're explaining this it kind of explains you know it,
1: someone had asked me in my interview the other day that I did, and it was a live interview, they they said, how do you think, um, were you happy with the way that you and others were portrayed in the show? Mm. And my answer was, I think everybody was portrayed just just like how they are in real life, because <laughs> I've met some of these people in real life. And from what I saw and experienced in real life, it's exactly how these people are. In real life, I mean, I didn't see anyone in that show that came across any different than my experience with them. But um, some people can claim, uh, because of editing and whatever. But in in season two of Tiger King, um, you know, I, I I really think they I really think they softened the blow on him because when they interviewed me and Donna after he was fired. Um, we didn't hold back, you know. I I mean I went through the whole thing with the amended complaint. The um, you know, he wanted to go on all these media shows. They kept telling him no, and he kept pushing them. And you know, then it was I want you to go on Dr. Oz with me. And one of the daughters said, Dr. Oz, although he does do true crime like on Thursdays or he something couple, now, yeah. But most people think Dr. Oz is you know, for health, health, Mm -hmm. mental health, physical, but this family is really private. But one of the daughters said, the last thing I want to do is go sit in front of a doctor and have them diagnose me or talk about my past and the traumatic events that I've gone through because of my father. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. I want to be a private person. And for someone to try to push them into going on to a show that they didn't want to go on, I think is really wrong, but it's free exposure, you know, but I I mean, I get that aspect of it, but I've always put them, I've put them that whole family first. I mean, I could have gone out and I mean, like the, the guy I interviewed with the other day, he said, I'm a, I'm a slut when it comes to attention and publicity. He said, not me, but the guy that was interviewing me, he said, if anyone from the media comes to me, he said, I'm giving it all up. He said, put me out there. You can pimp me out there. If it gets me some exposure,
2: right.
1: But you know, I'm just not that way. Um, I really have to think about if what I'm going to do is good for the family Or not, because I could care less if if people really liked me Mm -hmm. or what I stand for. But you know, this family needs real help. They don't need people out there. Matter of fact, here, and I'm sure you're going to ask me about the psychic. Uh, I got a message. I got a message. I I I saw that coming. That's that's because I'm psychic. But I got a message from someone yesterday saying that John Phillips contacted the psychic and told the psychic that i was trashing the psychic on a podcast and that one of the family members said we picked the wrong psychic that came directly from the psychic that john phillips contacted the psychic and was tattle-telling basically
0: oh this is tea all right i mean i
1: mean I, i when i was reading that i'm like what is this guy in the second grade? He's right. he's like, "Hey, by the way, Ripper was trashing you on a podcast and one of the family members said they picked the wrong psychic." Like, who cares? I mean, who cares what my opinion is of someone else? I mean, but that, that I'm I'm not that's a true story. Wow. I'm not making that up. I'm just like, so you go from the the game chair, which I still don't understand that deal, to calling the psychic or even, i don't i don't know how he was contacted but he he said the family's former attorney contacted me and said ripper was trashing me on a podcast and someone from the family said they picked the wrong psychic i'm just like wow man that's that's crazy. which obviously
0: is not true you never said any of those things neither did the family
1: well what i said was i was there like when we were filming or they were filming the psychic i was there the whole day Mm -hmm. and never once do i recall anyone talking about chicken you you know the chicken wrapper that they showed in the show like i was there the whole day and i'm that day i was quiet because you know they're filming but the psychic has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with me but i'm trying to pick up all the information that i can so even even um one of the daughters said, you were really quiet today. Were you feeling okay? And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. I said, I'm just, I was listening to every word to see if I could learn something. But right. the first time I heard about the chicken stuff was when I watched the show. Cause when they were filming on the curb down there, I wasn't down there. I was at the van. Yep. And when I saw that on the show, I was like, I looked at my wife. I was like, we never talked about chicken. I'm like, right what i'm like where did that come from but in in one of these uh, podcasts i did i i said um yeah i don't think we ever talked about chicken and you know i do believe that there's some people out there that have some abilities of some sort Mm -hmm. you know like remote viewing and other things but i said i don't think that guy's the guy that has any kind of ability that's all i said you know and i probably laughed about it which It's just my opinion, you know, I mean, but for, but for this, this guy to be a little tattletale and, and I'm just like, man, this is,
0: this kind of petty. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is actually, I have a couple more questions and that's one of them of this, the psychic me me and a friend of mine and my buddy Rocco who has been on the podcast a couple of times. We, we love Tiger King. We talk about it all the time and we watch that it brought us to tears and almost like not in a sad way because he's talking about, and I, I, I honestly, I immediately felt bad for the family because I'm like, this is, and the cop kind of said it too. Like he's okay with them finding any way. They're trying to do anything they can to get any type of answer. And the psychic, I mean, when he's sitting there on the curb and he's, you know, Oh, the porta potty go by behind, behind the porta potty and look at the chicken wrapper. I've been talking about chicken all day. It's kind of like, I felt bad for them. Cause it's like, if he's bullshitting they're making he's making it like giving them false hope he's saying oh this is where he died and all those things and i was like damn and she's like rubbing his back and you know like genuinely feeling sorry for him because he's having so much emotion i felt terrible for them but i felt like angry because i'm like dude this guy's totally bullshitting these people um i think that's my opinion uh Mm -hmm but yeah anyway so so how did that come about you know the psychic that shit was hilarious to me and my friend Um, but
1: yeah and i can i can when you say you think he was bullshitting them i agree with you because we had dinner after that event happened that traumatic event and during dinner he told someone that he had went down to that curb and had just lost it and was just bawling and crying down there the whole time. What he didn't know is that I was standing on, on a public street, which in Florida, you know, any state, really, if you're in a public space, you can record whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I was, when he came up and chick, kicked the chicken wrapper, he kicked it a couple of times to turn it over. And I'll, I'll go into that. Um, but I filmed, I filmed with my phone him walking all the way down the street and sitting down at that curb. And I was hiding behind the van, and I just had my my phone out. I have a, a Galaxy Note 21, which has a super badass camera. And matter of fact, I think I was phone I, I was recording with my iPhone that day, um, which has even a better camera. But I filmed the whole thing. He went down there and he sat, and he was just sitting on the curb, wow. looking around. And while he's down there, they were filming the family over there with, you know, I mean, it's very traumatic for the family because someone just told them your dad was shot twice right right here. This is where it happened. And, you know, so when he walked down there, I filmed and it's like seven minutes, I think is how long I filmed. But eventually Donna, the one that you saw on the show, she walks down there and as she comes around the tree line and starts going down, I see his head drop like this and he Uh. does like this. And that's when he started his act up again, but he didn't know I was filming and he's just sitting down there looking around. He's not crying. Like he told everyone he did later and I have it on film and I'm going to release it um, eventually, but I filmed the whole thing. But when he was talking about that at dinner, I just thought this guy is full of shit. He's, he's lying to them about what he did and, you know, they just want answers and he he really, of course, my opinion. He really played on their emotions and for their, sure, he milked their, the shit
0: out of that thing.
1: Their want for help and yeah, and what people don't realize is that there was so much more to that. The film there's only like five minutes or something, um, but I thought someone sent me some messages this morning where this guy's on his Twitter saying, um, "Tiger King Two Psychic." question, does he really know where Don Lewis is? Answer, yes. I'm like, man, this guy. Um, But the way that came about in August, when we did the tip line, we started getting calls in. And on the tip line, there's so many calls. Some of them are really crazy. Some are good, like the notary that called in. That was a great tip. And there's others, but there were psychics that called in too. But my job is not to withhold information from the family. I mean, if someone calls in, they're like, all you got to do is watch Tiger King. It was Carol Baskin. Like, I'm not going to relay that to the Uh, family. The the important
0: ones you're going to relay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, you know, if people call in, they say, hey, my name is, you know, Gloria, whoever, and I'm a psychic and I have this site and blah, blah, blah. I have to give the information to the family. And I would, you know, when I would search first for psychics to see if there was anything about them online or whatever, but from time to time, I would say, Hey, I, I don't, I, I know there's some people out there that have some amazing abilities, but I just got to let you know, like this person called this person called, and it was something that we had pondered for a while that maybe we should call in a psychic just to see what, you know, what would happen. Right. Um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't think much of it, but at some point it was, um, Oh, when did we, cause this, when he came in, that's the last time I was there actually. And, and it was this year when that happened, but at some point, um, I was talking with them and I think it was Donna said, do you think that, you know, we should look into psychics or whatever and i said you know at this point i don't think it would hurt if you know if i found one that's
0: legit almost
1: legit or you know i'm like i i just don't know but you know i said i don't think i i don't think it would hurt you know we we could just see what what happened right. so she started researching them and she came across him somehow some way um and one of the interesting things. Is you know, after she contacted him. Um, I think the way it went down, she emailed him. And the response was, you know, I'm limited on time. Um, I don't know if I can, you know, talk with you or not, but I'll look at my schedule and see if I can make an opening or whatever. So it was like this, oh, he's so busy. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. what the thought. But eventually he agreed to talk and they had a conversation and then um in, in the conversation i didn't hear it but this is what i was told later um he didn't know anything about their dad's case he didn't know um any details of it but he had worked with travis uh travis the guy that accidentally killed himself in tiger king one joe's husband, husband. trap travis uh yep.
0: the younger guy he, killed, he shot himself in the office, yeah.
1: Right. So Troy Griffin, this psychic, had worked with Travis's dad and stepmom or his mom and stepdad, but he did a reading for them regarding Travis. Huh. So he, he's connected to the Tiger King thing, sort of, not really, but he did talk to Travis's, one of his parents,
0: and did a reading
1: it is and it's online you can find it online um but he did tell one of the family members that he didn't know anything about their dad's case or tiger king or any of that stuff
0: so he's lying because also if you know even if you know anything about travis therefore you know something about tiger king you have to know something about don lewis well i'm 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 glad you said that
1: because (laughs) i get a call um saying hey he's going to be out here um in three days or whatever. And I'm in Oklahoma. I was like, all right, I'll leave tomorrow. I'll be out there because I wanna I want to see what this guy says. If he's got information I want to know because right. I am um, you're in it. Yeah, I'm in the middle of all of it. So I go out there and the night before um I meet with him one of the people that does research for me. I'm like hey this guy's coming out he he's told someone in the family that he doesn't know anything about the case. I said, I just want to check him out before he gets here. And probably 30 minutes later, I get an email with a video. And it's this guy doing a one hour video with someone else. And they're talking about Tiger King and Carol Baskin and the Don Lewis case for an hour. And it wasn't something where he's like, let me look at my notes and see, you know, like he, he was just, Talking about the show and all of this stuff, so he obviously knew something about oh
0: my it. God, guy!
1: And I saw that, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I said. He he said he didn't know anything about it, and so I reached out to one of the daughters. And I said, "Hey, um, I'm going to send you this video." I said, "I find it hard to believe that he says he doesn't know anything about it when here's a video from a couple months ago." where he talks for an hour about it or whatever. Right. And she said, well, he's already flying out. He's already, you know, everything's already put together scheduled and everything. So we'll, we'll just see how it goes. I was like, okay. Um, So there was some doubt, not, not really by them, but I mean, she gave him the benefit of the doubt. Right.
0: You could kind of tell.
1: Yeah, she did. And these people, like I said, they are really nice people and they really need answers, but they met with him. They listened to him. I don't know how many times these girls cried because of the things that he was telling them. And, you know, I'm just like, oh man, this is hard. Like it was hard to watch. Um, But yeah, after it was all said and done, you know, I'm like, I mean, he, he charged for it too. I was gonna
0: say, did he pay? Did they, they pay him? They, they did. Oh my yes, god! Yes,
1: they did. And I was just like, but I can't. You know, it's not my job to say, "Hey, you can't do this." I just need to be there to see, like, if I can help with things that come out or whatever. But and for the record, the the blonde don yeah. in there. Even if I would have said, "Hey, you can't do this," that wouldn't have worked because she will do whatever it is. Like if she has her mindset to do something, she's going to do it. A lot of, I mean, she's really nice and a sweet person, but if if she says she's going to do something, you can't change her mind or make her stop. Like wow. she's hard headed, and she will. And I hope she doesn't get mad for me saying this. But her sisters know this as well. Um, the whole family knows that that's the one person in the family that you don't mess with or try to boss around because she's, they call her the dragon lady. And you don't want to push her to the point where the dragon lady comes out. But even if I would have said, you know, don't do it, you know, blah, blah. It, it wouldn't have done any good because it it was already in motion. And she wanted to know if this guy had any information and um, yeah, it, it just, to to me, it just was uh, it, it was very hard to watch and yeah. see them go through that thing because we don't know, like we we still don't know like the cause of death right for their dad and for if, someone to
0: if there is I mean well I don't know that's my last well, question to you we'll get to that in a second but yeah I have...
1: well Kenny Kenny Farr and Carol knew that Don was never coming back i do know that they they knew he would never come back home so i i have to assume they knew he was dead damn
0: so so and that's something that easily like a psychic could do some research and go and say that And, and and honestly like i think psychics for the most part are all bs anyways just because it's it's kind of easy to guess and pull at strings and stuff like that to get close enough to something especially when they're so vulnerable I know John. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this guy, John Edwards from back in the day. I do.
1: Yeah, I do. He,
0: he was not legit, uh, but he seemed very legit. Uh, and he was kind of like uncovered to kind of be doing these, you know, it's, it's simple and out and out today. And today is easy to search for people and find things about them that you can right. pull from. So, I mean, this guy just preyed on them, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But he, he came across in the show just exactly how he was in real life, too. Right. I mean,
0: yeah, just yeah, the chicken thing for me was like this guy's because they only showed like five minutes of the whole thing, which I knew there was obviously more. But I'm like, this guy's full of shit. you like, I don't and know. We
1: were miked up the whole day. Now, if there would have been talk of chickens before, I know dang well that those filmmakers would have brought that up or were riding talking about chickens or like they would have played, you know, they're like, do you remember me talking about chickens? There would have been.
0: A montage of you guys talking about chickens. Right, yeah.
1: Right. But it never we talked about alligators in a swamp. I remember talking about because we drove by an area where it was swampy and we talked about alligators. But I I just have racked my brain. I'm like, because <laughs> I live out in the country and we used to have chickens here. I always think we still have them, but we don't. But we just got rid of them maybe four or five months ago. But if someone ever talks about, you know, horses, donkeys, goats, chickens like my ears perk up because I've had them. Right. And if someone started talking about chickens, I would have been like,
0: you would have had something to say.
1: Well, not that day. Cause I really was trying to be quiet, but I would have remembered
0: right, true. talking
1: about chickens. Cause yep. we've had so many of them, but yeah, when, when I saw that in the show, <laughs> I was just like, I, I looked at my wife, I was like, we didn't talk about chickens that day. I'm like, what? No. but. When, when he came up, there was an outhouse out there because there was a house being built and he was walking up and almost thought he was mad or something like he had this weird look and down on the ground in front of the outhouse, there was this yellow styrofoam thing and he came up and he kicked at it and he missed it and then he kicked it again and it flipped over and I saw him stop and he's just looking at it and then he walked on down the street. I didn't even go and look at it. Um, but I did see the camera guy come up there later and, and And now I know why, but so he kicked it over and looked at it and saw it probably said chicken tenders or something. I don't know. Um, And then he went down to the curb and of course in the show, you hear Donna saying, was there a chicken up there? Like she thought an actual chicken Mm -hmm. by the outhouse, not a chicken wrapper. I mean, it was so bizarre
0: it was very bizarre and it was and, and like you said the filmmakers did a good job of kind of like playing it to really what it was because it was first of all what the hell does the chicken have it has nothing to do with anything it's just because you talk even if you did talk about chickens and you saw that there's okay and
1: that's a great point <laughs> but i mean that is a great now if if he would have like gotten food poisoning from eating a chicken and that was the cause of death then that'd be right if okay. it was
0: connected to don right. in some way yeah absolutely nothing to do with anything
1: no just just yeah it was actually it was really bizarre so really weird. bizarre
0: um damn okay well uh, we've been almost two two hours now so wow. um yeah dude. it was fast with you man i know man i'm, I'm uh it's it's good though because i'm getting i feel like you're getting a, a lot of information that hasn't been talked about yet and we're covering some things in the doc that i've i was super curious about but um i'll, I'll give more question. I'll let you get out of here. Um, and this is probably the biggest one you might get. I don't know. What do you think actually happened to Don Lewis?
1: I I think that um, Friday afternoon on August 15th, when he went home to tell Carol, he was going to divorce her. I think he, um, I, I think between two and four o'clock he lost his life. Cause And Anne McQueen started calling him at four o'clock on Friday, August 15th. He left her, well, his office at 1.30 that day. And she never got a hold of him. He never called her back. So something happened between the time he got home and four o'clock that he could not answer his phone or make a call. And then that weekend, you have so many events that are just so weird with, you know, Kenny Farr's ex-wife saying, Kenny came home Sunday night driving one of Don's vans. He had uh, Don's gun collection Sunday night. Some people think something happened Sunday night, but I, I think Sunday afternoon is when the body was, something happened to the body. Um, there, there was, of course, you know, the crazy theory about the septic tank. And Jeff. I won't bring them out, but in this envelope right here, are the original septic tank receipts. And they're wow. every, the original stuff is in there. And that septic was installed, uh, August 6th is when they reset the septic. Cause Kenny, Kenny Farr and Carol's dad installed the septic to begin with, but they built the hole too deep. So they ha- had to hire a company to come out and lift it, backfill it and reset the septic. And on August 14th, there's a receipt in there for the last thing that was done on that septic. And that's the day before Don Lewis was last seen by his secretary. Mm. Um, something else that makes me think it, it was something that weekend is the notary. You know, the notary called into the tip line, said she never signed the will the power of attorney, there were some affidavits that were submitted in the uh, conservatorship case. And one of the affidavits was signed by the notary. And another one was notarized by the notary. But in my conversations with her, she denies signing any of that stuff too. (laughs) She said, Carol was the one that helped her get her notary stamp. Because she said, I was just a housekeeper. She goes, but I didn't have a logbook. She goes, I didn't even know where the notary stamp was most of the time. And then, if you look up the records, the notary stamp for that housekeeper was actually mailed to Carol's house, not to the housekeeper's house. So, the
0: actual notary, yeah.
1: Yeah. But the, the kicker is when I was talking to the notary, and just to get the dates set, August 15th is when Don Lewis is last seen by Ann McQueen. August 19th, which is a Tuesday is when Carol files the missing persons report. And in the missing persons report, she says she saw Don leaving home around 6 a.m. Monday morning. And that's where the famous early, early, early thing came from, t- from targeting. she goes, before Don left. He told me to tell Kenny to get the van ready or the truck ready early, early, early. Mm. So Monday morning around 6 a.m. is supposedly when she last saw him. But when I talked to the notary, and this is a question I ask everyone that I had talked to, I said, when did you first learn that Don Lewis went missing? And the notary says, and the notary was also the housekeeper, and she worked there full time for them, 40 hours a week at the house. She said, when I went into work Monday morning, Carol told me, hey, if the police come by, don't freak out or anything. Don is missing. Now, if Carol saw Don at six o'clock in the morning on Monday morning, why is she two and a half to three hours later telling the notary Don's missing? Mm-hmm. Like He shouldn't be missing. But what had happened now that we know Carol had Don's cell phone and McQueen says she called his cell phone all weekend. She was paging him with their emergency pager number. The whole weekend, Anne's calling this phone, calling. So Carol knows when Don doesn't show up to work Monday morning, that Anne McQueen is probably going to freak out because her best friend is pretty much missing. Yeah, And, and she's probably going to call the cops because she can't get a hold of the guy. So what do you do if you're worried about the cops showing up? You plant these seeds with all these different people saying, hey, if the cops show up, don't freak out. Don's missing. I don't know if he's out and about with girls or I added that little part in, but, um, there was other people that were given information as well, but the notary has come forward and that's the big important one. Cause she's the housekeeper. She was there, but the seed was planted with her on Monday morning. And another thing, when we talk about the investigation into this, you know, the housekeeper was there 40 hours a week. If someone went missing or you thought something happened to someone and you were investigating, the housekeeper is someone that you probably want to talk to, right? Like, did you notice any blood anywhere or broken? You know, Mm -hmm. the housekeeper was never questioned by law enforcement until just recently. What? I kid you not. That's why I say if they would have done their job right after all this stuff happened, I think they would have pretty much solved it because they could have pulled the phone records. Mm-hmm. They could have, they could have seen who was calling who
0: who was in um, and out and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Right. The Sunday night where Carol says she went to go get cat's milk at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, she gets back at 3.00 AM. Um, there were so many things that happened, but, I mean, that was the first person I wanted to talk to. Like when I started looking into this, I'm like, oh, they had a housekeeper. Is their 40 hour a full-time housekeeper? I'm like, oh man, I bet she has a ton of information. Right. I mean, I, like, and I asked her, did you see any blood? Like you see any broken windows and, you know, nothing, you know, she's like, no, I didn't see any blood, nothing broken or, you know. But she did say she learned that Monday morning that he was missing. And I'm like, how could he be missing if she just saw him three hours before? Right. And then you put that together with Kenny Farr's ex-wife, who says she knew Sunday night that Don was missing. You know, once you start piecing all these pieces together, it's kind of, to me, it's pretty clear something happened that weekend. And course i have other information you know there's other people that have come forward but we're not putting it out of course but i have no doubt in my mind that that man was killed on friday august 15th 1997
0: on his property you think like the like the whole thing of like her feeding him to the tigers and or what do you Um, think you know
1: not not the tigers uh because the tigers are so picky that they're not going to eat the whole body, they might eat the stomach and the intestines or, but when, when, when I started looking into this crazy septic tank thing, I called the company that installed it, Mm -hmm. the same people own it today that installed it and they still had the records on it. And I said, what can you tell me about it? And she gave me the exact size of it. That was a 900 gallon septic tank, which is a good size septic tank. And she said, and it had a clean out on it. I said, is the clean out accessible? She's like, yeah, it's always accessible. I said, well, how big of a clean out? Cause we have septics out here where I live. And like our clean out on, on one of ours is, you know, just like that big. Mm-hmm. But I said, what's the, what was the clean out on that? Do you know? She's like, yeah, it's an 18 inch clean out. And I'm like thinking Don Lewis weighed like 150 pounds. So I asked them, I said, do you think a 150 pound man would fit through like that type of clean out? And they're like, well, yeah, it, it's 18 inches. Like, yeah. And then they said, and then all you would have to do is go out and get four, five, six bags of concrete, dump it in there, pour water in there, you'd have a false bottom. And then even when you cleaned out the septic, you'd never get anything because you have a false bottom in the bottom of the septic. And they told me that there had been two bodies found in in their septic systems that they had installed in the past when they were cleaning them out. So it's not uncommon for, I guess, people to dump bodies in septic systems. So one of the important things is Carol came out and said in her diaries and her YouTube videos that, that joe's theory because joe exotic always talked about the septic and don was under he's not under i think he's in but carol said that's ludicrous because that septic was put in long before don went missing and you know i thought okay well maybe it was then and if it was then probably no big deal like it's probably just joe being stupid right um but then sheriff chronister came out when he was, I think with Nancy Grace, did an interview and she asked him about the septic and he said, oh yeah, we pulled the permits and all the records. And that septic wasn't put in until years later said uh, Don had been missing for years before that septic was put in. Well, when he said that, I thought, hold on a second. Like I know he didn't go and get the, the permits. I know damn well he didn't because right. he didn't know enough about the case anyway. But when he said that, I thought, hold on, there's some something's really wrong here. Long before, years later, I'm like, so we tracked down the person that owned it that lived there on the property. And I went out was meeting with her met with her a couple of times. And then she had a guy out there by the name of David helping her. And she was like, maybe we should look through all my old records. Because um, what we're looking for is the original handwriting of Carol or Don. So we could give to a handwriting expert and she's pulling these boxes down that are she's like i don't know why i saved all this stuff but i just figured one day and as we're going through all this stuff she's like oh here's the receipt for my trailer when i bought it and she's like here's my permit to get the septic installed and these are like original documents and she's like oh my she's like i got everything here and i was like let me see that and i'm looking it's for the the dirt it's the order um, for the septic install, like all of it. Wow. And when I'm looking at the dates, you know, I'm like June of 1997, the permit was applied for, for the septic. He went missing in August of 97 on August 5th, um, is when the order was written up by the company that installed it on August 6th, there's the load for the, uh, backfill, which the story that I was told that (laughs) they had to bring dirty because other people had told me that, yeah, they dug the hole too deep and then they had to backfill it with something. And, and, you know, it was a big mess and whatever. But as I'm looking through these documents, I'm like, there's August 6th and it clearly says reset and backfill. I was like, so they had to reset the septic. They pulled it up, put the dirt in and it was all right there. And then the last thing was the mound dirt. It was dated August 14th, 1997, which is the day before Anne McQueen last sees John lewis what yeah i mean it's all right it's all right here i can send them i'll scan them and send them to you if you want but it's all right here wow. so then i'm like why was carol lying about the dates of the septic i like there's no reason to lie about that unless you have a reason to lie about it right and then i don't know if you know about the after the show come out she put an offer out there that if anyone wants to come out and dig up the septic they can, as long as they replace it with a new one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I took her up on her offer and I called, left a voicemail. I emailed her, didn't get anything back. And then like a week or two later, she had put a video out and said, no YouTubers are allowed. So then I finagled <laughs> way to do it. So it wasn't a YouTuber. And then I think a couple of weeks after that, there was a video that came out and I think it was Howard actually talking saying that if someone wants to put $100,000 up, they can put it up and we'll, we'll dig up the septic. And if he's not in there, we keep the $100,000. If he's there, you can have your money back. I'm like, what? They really just bet $100,000? I'm like, I mean, all these things are real to me. I'm like, something is really wrong here. And I know Corey, if it was you, and you had a septic and people and you had like 40 some million dollars in your bank account and someone was accusing you of having a body in your septic. I'm pretty sure you would just be like, all right, I'm going to pay somebody 10 grand to get out here and let's squash this. Yes. Thing and it right now. now. Yes. Yeah. yeah yep. I would. Yep. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it myself if I have to. Right. But yeah, a hundred thousand dollar bet. And I was just like, all right, we'll just raise a hundred thousand dollar reward instead. And wow. we'll get someone to come forward, but that's good yeah, it's crazy. It really is, and I wish I was making it all up, but I'm not. It's true. This stuff really happened.
0: Wow, that's the that's the crazy thing about this whole situation. Like I said, I've been saying, "Tiger King," you can't make this shit up. I know. There's it so just <laughs> layers of layers and layers and layers. You know, I'm sure they're gonna do a Tiger King three, and you know, especially with all the new evidence and stuff like that. Oh. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, and now. I meant to say when you're talking about Joe and these witnesses coming forward and, um, recanting, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's going to be very helpful for, for Joe. It makes for great media attention. I mean, if you want media attention, that's the way to do it. But I really don't think that it's, it's gonna, it's gonna help because if they were credible from the beginning, Sure, right. But it almost seems as if it's just a ploy to get media attention. And um, and if you have you ever you ever talked to uh, James Garretson,
0: the guy the guy on the jet ski, the,
1: the jet ski guy.
0: No. All
1: right, I had him on my channel a couple of times. You need to interview him. Okay. After after you interview John Phillips because James Gerritsen is one of the witnesses that came forward and signed one of those affidavits. Yep. But I did talk to James a couple of weeks ago. Now I'm not going to say anything about what he told me, but after you interview John Phillips, interview James Garrettson.
0: Okay. I'll reach out to him. I'll try to find yeah, him. I, I will.
1: Network. I'll give you his, his phone number. I have uh, his phone awesome. number. That's great. I'll give it. And, um, because he was in the middle of all this stuff. No,
0: I know. I know yeah. Because
1: after I saw the show and saw the the decapitated head plan to kill Joe, I was like, I called James the next day. I said, Hey, man, I I don't mean to bother you. I know that you hate this Tiger King stuff, but I was like, I just got to know. Was there a plan to kill Joe? He said, He said, Fuck no. He said that's all bullshit. He said, and he said I was there. When all of this stuff was going down, he said, "I was there every day." He said that shit never happened. I'm like, really? He said, "Never happened." I was like, "Wow." I'm like, "Well, what?" I said, "Never mind. I don't even want to know." Um, but you need to t- you you talk to him.
0: All right, yeah, I'll hit him he, up. He was an interesting character.
1: He's he's got so much information about Joe's case. I mean, he was working with the government, right? You know, I mean, yeah. he he's got a ton of information, but he was there. Like he, he, he was he was he was right there, and he he said that Joe had opened up that pizza restaurant out there at the place. Oh my god! And they're using the meats from yes. the Walmart truck. <laughs> He said the pizza was really good, though.
0: <laughs> that's disgusting. I know. I felt so bad for the people eating it in the tigers. Can
1: you and... imagine?
0: Oh my god, that's yeah. disgusting. Crazy, but, yeah, man, that's yeah. Him, he uh, sent me his stuff. I, I don't will. Know, because uh, he's an interesting character, and and that's so. So at the end of the day, you think that Don Lewis is buried inside of the septic tank, and you think uh, uh, Kenny and and uh, uh, CB had something to do with it. Yeah,
1: My. Yeah, my opinion is that Carol, her dad, and Kenny were part of it. Um, Kenny and Carol benefited a lot from the disappearance of Don Lewis. I mean, Kenny ended up getting, I think, almost a million dollars worth of property in the year following Don Lewis. Um, And that's another thing they didn't put in the show, is within a year after Don Lewis went missing, Carol had transferred properties to Kenny or Kenny's dad. And I think the last we figured it up, it was close to a million dollars worth of properties. Wow! And I talked to Kenny's ex-wife and say, Hey, did, did Kenny ever manage properties, you know, rentals or whatever. And she laughed. She's like, no, she's <laughs> like, he's not that kind of person. She said, what he would do is get those properties, take a mortgage out on them. And then get a check for the equity and never make a payment on the mortgage, and the house would go into foreclosure. And I was like, Wow, I said that sounds like a payment. She's like, It was a payment that in his new truck. She said he got a new truck too, shortly after Don went missing. Huh. Um, I've not been able to find the records for the truck though, so I don't know whose name it was in, but you know, after Don went missing. Carol, her dad, and Kenny broke into the, into Don's office and stole all the documents and they ended up moving the trailer, the whole office out to easy street. And everybody that I talked to that knew Don and worked for Don said that if they would have done something like that, he would have, he would have blown his top that you don't mess with his work stuff, his office or whatever. So that right there told me that, you know, within a week of Don being gone, they knew he was never coming back. And that's always been my question is if they knew he wasn't coming back, how did they know? How did they know he wasn't going to be coming back?
0: Right. Right. You know, yeah, um, I remember them talking about that in the first season.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. Hopefully, hopefully they do have a season three and hopefully they put a lot of this stuff that's been uncovered in there. Hopefully a lot of the things that, the group of people that I work with have uncovered, hopefully all that stuff can be corroborated and then they can lay it all out because it really is. It's an incredible story with all of these people that have done all this work for free. That's the best thing is we've all done it for free because we think this family needs, needs help.
0: Right. You know, Well, that's amazing, man. And Hey, listen, also thank you again for coming on, but is where can people find you find your, uh, the Facebook group and all that stuff. And I'll also post links to everything in the description.
1: I'm not sure I want people to find me, but no, I'm (laughs) kidding. Um, I got a YouTube channel called Ripper Jack media. Everything's under Ripper Jack media. If you Google, you know, like Ripper Jack media, uh, or you just search for me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook. I'm, I'm on all those social media sites under Ripper Jack media.
0: Also, man. Well, Ripper, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And that's another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you, Corey. appreciate it, man. You're Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely.
0: And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free plus free shipping, the 30 day money back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using Explicit10. Use the code EXPLICIT10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com